to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C. Joined this week by both my co-host, Cam, and the chairman, Stephen Vincent. And boy, do we have a lot of talk to talk about. I always look forward to recording this show every single week, but this might be the most I've been looking forward to it almost ever with all the news that's broken in the last, you know, 48 hours since the end of AEW All Out and just everything that's happened this past weekend in the world of pro wrestling. So we're going to go back a little bit. We're going to talk about, obviously, everything going on with CM Punk and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. But we're going to go first go back to Saturday and talk about WWE Clash of the Castle, which at this point seems like it took place three weeks ago, given all the stuff that happened in AEW on Sunday. But I think, you know, again, from top to bottom, a very... Quick, solid, watchable show with a great match in Sheamus and Gunther, a really good match in Rollins and uh, Riddle, Matt Riddle, and then a pretty good main event with, you know, an outcome that some people liked, some people didn't with Roman Reigns defeating Drew McIntyre. But it was an easy, like, what, three-hour watch on a Saturday afternoon when there wasn't good college football games on yet. It was just an easy thing to get through and watch and then transition to there. I mean, I think, you know, the two women's matches are probably the kind of the low points, but even those weren't bad. I mean, the, the opening six-man tag, or six-woman tag, excuse me, was a little clunky at times, especially given the people involved in it. But I thought the show overall was a good, if you want to call it, premium live event nowadays in the world of WWE. So I'll ask you, Cam, here first. What were your thoughts on the show? Yeah, I mean, I agree. It was almost to the point where they could have had another maybe like one or two matches at the most added to it. And the card still would have flown really well. Um, Seamus and Gunther was awesome. I thought Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins was fantastic. Um, Seth Rollins gets a meaningful win. So I think that gets him in the right direction. Even if I don't think the feud with him and Riddle is over, but it gets him back in the positive direction where, you know, people will start taking it more serious again. But yeah, I thought the match was fantastic. Um, or the, <clears throat> the show was really good. Nice, crisp, like just short of three hours or so. Um, we saw Austin Theory get punched out by Tyson Fury. Like, what else could you want? Yeah, that was that was a great thing moment to happen right there at the catch. And I thought Tyson Fury was actually going to get involved in the actual finish of the main event, but to have him just do that anyway and knock Fury out, it was just great. Uh, Chairman, how about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, the show was fine. I mean, definitely um, some stuff to look forward to. Like, Seth Rollins finally won a match on a pay-per-view or a premium round event. So, uh, the streak is over. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I agree with Cam. I don't think they're finished yet. I think with uh, Extreme Rules coming up, you know, with their the way things are going with those guys, I think they could be uh, Extreme Rules match, possible main event, depending if uh, Roman Reigns decides to work that event or not. You know, and uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's a, some of the match results, obviously, I was preferring different results, obviously, based on my predictions of what I wanted to see happen. But, I mean, I'm not annoyed or disgusted. I mean, obviously, either decision was fine. Like, I thought, you know, Liv Morgan, I can't take her seriously as a champion. She's just oh, way, way, way too underdoggy for me. You know, I think Shayna could have benefited better, but it is what it is. Um, you know, in the main event, of course, you know, Roman Drew. No Usos or Sami Zayn, you know, Theory getting knocked out was great. He's a douche. But then Solo Sokoa, you know, shows up, and then it's like, oh, there he is. Sami Zayn's replacement, probably winning the Intercontinental title here probably within the next six months, you know, so the Bloodline could have that title too. Um, then, of course, Drew 
singing American Pie and Oasis and looks like a complete dork after he just loses big title match. So that was a little questionable there, but all in all, it was a solid event. Yeah, I was fully expecting Tyson Fury to knock out Drew McIntyre at some point to build up to like a WrestleMania match between those two. I was just waiting and waiting and waiting, and then when it never happened, I was like, okay, what the hell was that? And like somebody pointed out, it kind of reminded me of like the uh, the old SummerSlam 1993 finish when Lex Luger celebrates a countout victory over Yokozuna like he just won the title and it didn't end up happening, but. So, yeah, Roman Reigns is still our undisputed WWE Universal Champion uh, going on close to 800 days now. We're going to be getting up there soon. And he vanquishes another first-time challenger, leaving not too many first-time challengers left. And, of course, there's still the talk with the match with him and Rock at WrestleMania and whether that would be for the title. Of course, there's, you know, the ever-looming Cody Rhodes in the background, who a lot of people thought might have been the person to end up beating Roman Reigns some point down the line even at Wrestlemania and I look and I don't really see anybody else on the main roster when you look at it that could possibly be someone to dethrone Roman I know there's people talking about the Sami Zayn story with him being the underdog and the uh the Usos or you know Usos and Roman finally just turning turning on him and then Zayn coming back but I feel like that's building more toward a Zayn KO tag team beating the uh, beating the Usos for the tag titles, but I think at this point it's going to be either and I and even if if Roman Rock happens at WrestleMania, I don't think Rock's winning the titles. So is it to the point where you think it's just it's going to be Cody uh, Cam to dethrone Roman at some point? I mean, I tweeted out after after the Rock or after Roman uh, retained the title that the Rock ain't coming back. Um, that was the perfect time for them to put a title title change, and it was a perfect. And I don't, I mean, unless Cody wins both titles, I mean, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I I'm gonna say that the that match with the Rock's not happening. Um, it would have been a big sign that it the, that everything was looking that way. Had he dropped one title, held on to the other one for a little bit, and then Cody comes back, it's almost the Royal Rumble. We're like what three months away or so, four months away. Um, till Cody could possibly come back, so then you could do that if you wanted to go, go that route. But I mean, there's so many guys, and with, with with Triple H like fully in charge now, I think he officially became the CFO, um, or the whatever title it is. He officially became that like yesterday or something. So he's officially 100% in charge. I mean, the list of guys carrying Cross, maybe he's next unless they. I mean, there's a lot of guys they could do and take the title off and, and give Roman, like I said, a couple of, like a month off or whatever before the rumble and then, and have rock come back at some point. But I just think that matches off the table. Um, I mean, I'm almost to the point where if he goes champion, both champions championships until WrestleMania, I'm almost to the point where you could write him off TV by making him defend both titles back to back nights. I kind of have that idea for SummerSlam where make him defend one against Seth Rollins and the other one against Matt Riddle or something along those lines. Um, that obviously didn't come to fruition, but if you do that and you have two main events and one night he's facing, you know, Kevin Owens and one night he's facing Seth Rollins and he drops both titles and, you know, he just doesn't be on TV for a while. And then if he does come back and they do him, you know, him and the rock, maybe down the line, mm-hmm. who knows? But I mean, at this point, there's a lot of guys with triple H in charge that you could easily make a case for. So, I could see Cody getting one of them, but if they do the whole route with both titles, just unify them at that point. Like you don't, we don't need to do that. It's either split them up again, and or unify them. 
Yeah, that's something I actually thought about too. And like, what about the idea of Roman defending on both nights? I don't know if he loses one night, or like the first night, if it takes any luster away from the second. I think it's almost a thing where I would do that and maybe have him win the first night and then lose the second night to maybe be like, okay, he still won. Shit, is he actually going to lose the second night? But that's something that has also been in the back of my mind. I mean, the Rock thing, yeah, I mean, I don't know his movie schedule. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's curious. I, like I said, I. I see Cody, like you said, with Triple H, you know, everybody's rejuvenating now. Kevin Owens is back to his whole prize fighter gimmick. You know, Gunther's getting a big push. Maybe you can have Gunther at some point go after Roman Reigns and have that go down. But what do you think, Chairman? I think this was the last event where I could realistically have seen Roman Reigns dropping his titles before WrestleMania. I mean, we only have really left Survivor Series, if you consider that a big event. I don't anymore. Um, but maybe now Triple H and Church will be better. And then, of course, Royal Rumble. But I think at least WrestleMania now, he's going to keep the titles. I mean, I almost, you know, Cody's obviously been rumored to come back when the Royal Rumble have the big WrestleMania moment. And cool for Cody if that happens, but it's almost predictable. So I almost don't want it to happen in a weird way. Like, I almost would like to see him lose the titles at Survivor Series or Royal Rumble just for the shock factor. Like, oh, shit, it happened, you know? But, you know, you're running out of uh, people. I mean, obviously, Theory has his briefcase. But, I mean, I'm really hoping that somebody else gets the briefcase. Kevin Owens is a guy I would love to see get the briefcase. Because Kevin Owens is just a fantastic performer. You know, just, he's hilarious. You know, great in the ring. You know, I think, like, KO and Sammy, you talk about them winning the tag titles. I think if there's a way to get KO that briefcase, you know, he could use that with Sammy's help and get the titles. And then, of course, Hamey could come out and be like, that contract is only good for one title, and, you know, that's how he split the titles up if you want to do that. Um, of course, there's also the WrestleMania match, I remember, from years ago. Um, Angle, Benoit, and Jericho, I believe it was, they had the Intercontinental and the European titles, I want to say. And then for when the first fall got the one belt, and the second fall got the other belt, so maybe you do something like that, too. Like a triple threat or a fatal four-way, and then, of course, Roman has to win two matches. I mean, I don't know what you do, honestly, at this point, but... You know, Braun Strowman's back now, and he's going to SmackDown Friday night, so he's going to probably be next in line, if I were to guess, which I don't see him being the guy to beat Roman Reigns right now. He shouldn't be the guy. I mean, Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, they're probably my three picks to do it. I mean, nobody else comes to mind in my book. God, those distractingly bright red pants that Braun had on last night do not definitely deserve to have a championship title around it. I mean, I guess he's, like you said, I guess he's going to be permanently on SmackDown now. I mean, Hey, I'll give him credit. He got a big pop on raw for the return. Um, I just don't know what you do with him. At least they got rid of the choo-choo the train sound effect that he did during the pandemic era when they would go around, when he would go around the ring the whole time and they would do the whole, uh, to do that train run thing. And then like they would play the, uh, the train sound when they did it. At least they got rid of that finally. And I kind of figured they would considering you know, it's triple H in charge and not a crazy person like Vince McMahon. But yeah, I don't see what exactly, Braun, I mean, Braun's an attraction. He's, you know, a big guy. He's slightly more mobile than somebody like an Osmosis Jones who, you know, hasn't been seen on Raw in forever, thank goodness. But I just don't know uh, what you do with him as far as feuds go going into, you know, once he gets his feet settled here. I mean, I'm not too interested. Gunther. I mean, yeah, okay. That's my pick. Yeah, give me Gunther. But, yeah, I, I would have no problem with that. But yeah, as far as challenging Roman goes, I 
I'm kind of over that. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as Braun being back, Cam? I mean, ultimately, if it's him to pair him, like I think I said last week or the week before, to ultimately re- to pair him with uh, returning Bray Wyatt and Eric Rowan, um, I mean, supposedly he's going to be on SmackDown. So unless you have him go after the title right away, uh, I mean, you could you could feed him to a you could have him beat a couple of different guys <clears throat> on the way up, but then maybe ultimately they're working towards a him and Gunther match. Uh, I mean, I like Braun. He fit better in the WWE style. I mean, I I feel like them getting Braun, I don't know, to me just means like hopefully they're going to get the Wyatt family back together because Braun on his own, I mean, is going to just feel that Osmosis Jones weight, I guess. Just a big guy that just never really threatens the upper mid card unless Triple H really feels like he, he has something in him. But, you know, I think everything's off the table now with Triple H because we're, we still have to get it out of our head that Vince isn't booking the show. So, like, these signings and these people coming back is, you know, a lot better than what Vince would have done with them. You know, we got Johnny Gargano re-debuting next week. seems like him and Theory are going to do something at some point. Maybe they have a briefcase match and Johnny Gargano, you know, takes the briefcase from Theory down the line. Who knows? Um, I mean, it is what it is. I think that Braun serves a purpose, but whatever happened with him and EC3's promotion. Yeah, maybe maybe that'll be Braun's. Hey, hey, Hunter, or hey, Paul, why don't you go ahead and sign uh, sign EC3, bring him back to the roster. Just don't, you know, don't let him do anything, but have him come out to that music, his music that he had in NXT. Um, I want to talk about real quick that Seamus Gunther match. That thing was awesome, and I think I'm trying to think. I'm bracking my brain as far as main roster WWE matches. Um, that might have been the main roster WWE match of the year. I mean, Becky and Bianca was good from WrestleMania. Rollins and Cody had a couple of good matches. But I don't know, like, as far as main roster WWE, I think that's probably the WWE match of the year so far. So far. Uh, what do you, do you have anything else pop into mind, Sherman, as far as matches of the year go? Honestly, I really don't have much to say for WWE because, I mean, I've been tuned out of WWE most of the year. So I don't really have anything to give as far as that goes. You know, maybe a couple months from now, you know, when we talk about end of the year stuff, I'll probably have to go back and watch some matches based on people's opinions. But I really have nothing to offer at this point. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I will say if you haven't, if anybody listening out there has not seen it, I'm glad it was the first match on the NXT show this past Sunday, but go out of your way to watch the Ricochet Carmelo Hayes match from the NXT worlds collide show. That match was awesome. And it was, it's a it was a great match in a completely different style compared to the Sheamus Walter match. So one was a hard hitting stiff fest and the other one was your classic kind of like 2022 pro wrestling match. That's great. Uh, anything to add there as far as the Gunther Sheamus match cam? I mean, I thought it was, I mean, I have to go back and watch every freaking Sheamus match, uh, but maybe Sheamus's best match ever. It was physical. It was great. Um, it's what the big Haas guys should do in the WWE. I mean, <clears throat> Triple H had William Regal out there for four or five years scouting all these indie promotions. He saw what how they used big guys and how big guys got over with crowds. Let them beat the crap out of each other, and that's exactly what they did. Um, I think Gunther's going to be a star. I feel like he's going to be a world champion in 2023. 
Yeah, and they have full. Uh, they have Imperium fully back together now. Uh, but I'm 100% with you as far as Gunther goes. I mean, he's somebody who I always said if I were to push him seriously, I would have him even this year fight Brock at WrestleMania and have him beat Brock in like two minutes, and that's it. Um, depending on, I don't know what kind of contract situation Brock's like or if Brock's ever going to come back or he even agree to do that. Um, but that'd be my way of booking a WrestleMania match for Brock and a WrestleMania match for Gunther. And then there's your, uh, there's your, uh, you know, making Gunther a huge star moment right there by having him just go out and kill Brock in under like three minutes. That's how I would personally do it. Um, so yeah, I know, I don't think you guys watch NXT World's Collide, so I just, I highly recommend going out of your way to watch the Ricochet-Carmelo Hayes match. I maintain that Carmelo Hayes has it, and I think he's probably the best prospect from the stuff I've seen down there in NXT. Um, so hopefully he gets a main roster call-up, not soon, but at some point is, with Triple H is treated like a star. Alright, so let's transition over to AEW, and let's just specifically talk about the pay-per-view itself, all out. Um, ended up being 15 matches, including the pre-show. I fell asleep after the women's match. It was just such a long day for me that I couldn't make it. Um, so I, and I did end up watching the rest of it. So I, I quite not, I'm not even talking, but we're not, we're going to save the backstage stuff and everything going on backstage after. But before that, I think a lot of this, some of that stuff was kind of questionable. I mean, I don't get, I'm not even trying to use what happened after the match here. I still don't agree with Punk beating Moxley in that match and then doing what they did like 10 days earlier and now all of a sudden Punk beats Moxley clean it's like what the hell was the point of all of that I mean just like I said not even counting what's happened in the last couple of days I do not agree with that at all it's not because I picked Moxley to win but it's like Moxley's been carrying this company pretty much the whole year I think he's a clear-cut wrestler of the year in 2022 so far, barring something crazy happening in the last four months. And then they went right to this punk well after, again, said trying to get us to believe that 10 days earlier, punk was pretty much in no condition to compete. Um, what were your thoughts on that result, Chairman, when you saw it happen? Well, I picked punk to win. Hometown Redemption Story. It's how Hollywood writes itself, or Tony Khan. But I think it's not so much... You know, Moxley, obviously, he's been doing a good job this year carrying the brand. But I think, obviously, knowing the Joker, which was MJF, um, obviously, I think Tony sees there's more money on a MJF-Punk match since they've had a bitter rivalry, you know, earlier this year. Or they go back to Moxley, which, well, that was not a good feud. Um, so I think that it's, that's the match we're getting, MJF-CM Punk, just a matter of when if at all. Um, but uh, obviously Punk is the world champion right now. Um, MJF has a title shot. He will address everyone, including you, in person uh, tomorrow on Dynamite. So um, I think that's why the Punk won the match, obviously. It's going to be a short reign. It's going to be a shitty reign. Um, MJF will be champion by the end of the year. That was my bold claim at the start of the year. So we just got a few more months and sooner than later, put the title on MJF, who apparently was leaving and going to WWE, so everyone got worked. He probably just had a summer vacation, or maybe had a minor injury and never got leaked out. We don't know why MJF took the whole summer off, but that guy, not Punk. Yes, I'll make sure I'm on my best behavior tomorrow when MJF is out addressing me in the crowd, his uh, future world title shot. Uh, speaking of that, I just really also want to point out how dumb it is uh, for the rules of the casino ladder match. Like, being the Joker is like... 
not even that much of an advantage because the match could have ended when anybody climbed up the ladder and grabbed the uh, the chip that was up there. So, like, theoretically, if you're the Joker and you get to come out last, that's probably the worst spot to have considering the match could end at the sixth person and then you're screwed and you don't even get a chance to come out. But, uh, Cam, what were your thoughts on the finish and the winner of the main event? Yeah, it's almost like they're Royal Rumble except the match can't end at the end end before uh, the the 30th competitor gets there um i mean if you try to rationalize it and understand like okay punk lost in a few minutes it took him being in chicago and his his one of his trainers and his good friend to come out and smack some sense into him and say you got this um almost feels like the last time punk will win the AEW championship i mean <laughs> barring what we're going to talk about next but before all of that it felt like okay this is kind of if punk's here for two years or so or however long it's going to end up being this kind of feels like this is his second run and he'll have it for a few months whatever you know as we get to to get to double or nothing or something like that who knows how long he'll have it and then he can drop it to mjf um but it was it was interesting. I thought the match was pretty good. It went longer, so I get the story they're trying to tell that it took Punk really quote finding himself. I mean, I just wish there was a longer time period in between. You know what I mean? Or something? Or like maybe he was gonna do the match and then he got re-injured. Who knows? But yeah, there wasn't enough time in to really sell it. I wish it was at least two, three weeks. But yeah, ten days. Um, but I mean, I thought the match was pretty good itself. Yeah, I got no problem with the matches. I think they really, honestly, if they wouldn't have done that first match, the first unification match, and I don't think I wouldn't even have a problem with it. You could have still played up Punk's injury in some kind of brawl where they were fighting and then maybe Moxley goes after Punk's leg and he injures it, and that's fine. Like Even if they did that minus the match, I think it would have been a lot better. But for some reason, they had to go through with the actual match, and then that's kind of obviously what led people questioning to, well, we don't have a main event X amount of days before the pay-per-view, and that's where some of my questioning comes in. Uh, as far as the rest of the show goes, I mean, they made a couple obvious, you know, you know, safe, I don't want to say safe, but like obvious choices with the Bucks and Kenny winning the six man titles and Tony Storm winning the, uh, the women's title. Uh, so there's that. They had Swerve and uh, Keith Lee end up retaining the tag titles after her. Uh, after the against the acclaimed, even though the entire crowd wanted the acclaimed to win the match, and like I said on Twitter, I think Cam and I are like one of only a handful, two of only a handful of people who don't care about the acclaim. I mean, I get that they're over, but I don't. They're just not the kind of act for me. But so they had those are the other three uh, big title matches there. Uh, any thoughts, Chairman, on those specifically, just those title matches? Um. Yeah. I mean, Tony Storm was predictable. I mean, the big story there is obviously Jamie Hayter was within moments of winning the match and Britt Baker screwed her over. So the biggest women's story in AEW probably for the next couple of months now is going to be Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter's feud. No titles involved. Like, they are going to be more interesting than the TBS or the Women's Championship because obviously Dr. Britt Baker is involved for one. And obviously Jamie Hayter has a fan base growing. So people want to see that. That's the money match. And that's crazy to me that like there's no titles involved, but so finally we're getting like a good women's story probably. Um, the trio titles, whatever. I I don't know. AEW just get oversaturated with titles. 
Um, their roster's massive. Their titles are getting out of control. And they only have three hours of legit television time. So, I mean, trio titles, I have no problem with trio titles. I think they're fine. But, you know, obviously the elite versus the dork order is like, come on, really? Uh, the tag title match was fire. That was awesome, man. Swerve Our Glory versus the Acclaimed. Yes, I like the Acclaimed on like YouTube, but that's, you know, my choice. You know, you know, daddy asses out there. The crowd was wild. I think Tony Khan really fucked up by not putting the belts on the acclaim because that crowd was hot for them. The bones was sounding like crazy. You know, Castro had a breakout performance. I mean, Swerve, give that guy credit. He played in the crowd. The freaking crowd was against him, so he went all heel mode. Like, you could tell, you know, Swerve and Lee, they basically played the roles of heels in that match because I knew that's what the crowd was treating them as. And they did a, they, all four of those guys did a fantastic job. Breakout performance there for all those guys. That was my match of the night, hands down. Nothing else came close. I really do hope that obviously they booked Tony Storm better than they did Thunder Rosa as champion. I mean, Thunder Rosa won the title and she didn't get any TV time. And then she started having problems with opponents and then stuff started coming out about her in the locker room. And then I'm mean, obviously Tony Storm is from obvious. Most things you hear is much more well liked than Thunder Rosa was in the, uh, when the AEW women's locker room. So uh, Cam, what are your thoughts on those title matches? Yeah, too bad Thunder Rosa didn't get to air out her grievances on a media scrum. That would have been pretty cool to listen to. Um, I'm glad I agree with Chairman. I'm excited that they actually have a – they built a story within that match, and they have something to go off of. Jamie Hayter is now chasing Tony Storm. So something that doesn't involve Britt Baker that could move the needle a little bit. Um, I thought the six-man was pretty good. I thought for a second there they were going to have – Dark Order win, but I mean, it is what it is. The guys that you know, the EVPs, they uh, they booked themselves into uh, into winning the trios title, which makes sense. It looks like they're setting them up for MJ or uh, um, FTR and Wardlow, which should be pretty good. And I, I mean, I don't know, but I feel like they should put the titles on them. Who knows? I wish they would separate it and have Kenny face Wardlow. Who knows? But I mean, overall, I thought the show was 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 pretty good. It was in incredibly long it felt like a wrestlemania from like four years four or five years ago when it was like holy cow this is still going on like how many more matches before the main event um i mean i was watching the dodger game at the same time but i was just like holy crap this is a really really long pay-per-view uh i thought jericho and and brian danielson went a little too long but i was actually really surprised on the finish too like i thought for sure jericho's gonna take a little bit of time off and get ready for his fozzy gig but now he beats Brian Danielson, and, I mean, who knows what's going on with that feud. Yeah, that was one of them that surprised me, too, uh, with Jericho um, actually beating Brian Danielson. And like you said, the rest of the pay-per-view, you got FTR and Warlow winning, which wasn't a surprise. You've got... Um, you had Jungle Boy ended up losing to Christian thanks to the help of Luchasaurus. So, you know, not, I wasn't really too surprised that Luchasaurus ended up returning again and joining up with Christian. That really didn't surprise me. Um Hobbs and Starks getting cut to the, whatever it did was that short time was very surprising. I mean, I remember, you know, the, the match starting and all of a sudden the next thing I know is that it's almost, I think I was actually got up into the kitchen to go get something. And then like, I was like five minutes and it was over. I was like, what the hell was that? I was really looking for, everybody's really looking forward to that match and it was cut super short. Um, so who knows if that continues, even though Hobbs ended up winning clean, uh, you've got, uh, what else was there? Uh, did you say Jay Cargill beating Athena in another match that was kept short, which again, you know, Athena is pretty much, you know, 
done. I don't want to say done, but like it's she's almost probably going to turn into what Ruby Soho is right now and being an afterthought on the AEW women's roster. I mean, Ruby Soho jobbed out twice in the span of four days or two days, I think. Yeah, and Ram. No, no, no. I'm sorry. She went on Rampage. My apologies. My apologies. But I mean, her. You know, everybody was kind of hyped for her when she came in, and now it's like, eh, do we really care about Ruby Soho anymore? It's like. Not really. So who knows what Athena has next for her. But yeah, I mean, I thought the show was good. I think it's probably on the lower tier of AEW pay-per-views. But of course, AEW puts out lots of really great pay-per-views. Um, anything to add to those other matches there, Chairman, that we didn't talk about? I don't like Jungle Boy and Ricky Starks getting very, very, very little match time. Like, it's just disgusting because those are like your young up-and-coming superstars. And you only have four pay-per-views a year. And this is a, their stage to showcase what they can do. Like, you know, Starks and Hobbs have had this feud brewing for a while now. Same with Christian and uh, Jungle Boy. And sure, maybe I'm supposed to be pissed off because of that, you know, those guys losing and whatnot. But, like, I feel like those guys deserve better because we're using a big pay-per-view to, obviously, it's like Christian and Jungle Boy will have a match again. Obviously, Christian might be injured. I don't know, whatever. They did what they did. But it's like, if Christian couldn't go, then maybe they should have, did the Jungle Boy Luchasaurus match here instead and gave Jungle Boy some freaking rain time and a big pay-per-view win. But, yeah, that's, that's my problem with that because now it's like, okay, well, when are these guys going to sell this? Like, another pay-per-view, like, three months from now? Or Arthur Ashe? we got to set up the big Arthur Ashe show in three weeks. Fuck Arthur Ashe. And, you know, it's just TV. It's going to be filled with commercials. Like, I don't know. I felt, I felt Ricky Starks and Jungle Boy deserved better. All right, so that leads us into what everybody wants to talk about, everybody wants to hear us talk about, which, of course, is the whole backstage incident with CM Punk and the Young Bucks and Ace Steel and Kenny Omega and a fight in a locker room. So obviously you guys know the story by now. If you, I'd be stunned if anybody listening to this show doesn't. But what happens is, you know, CM Punk does his whole media scrum, goes on this rant about, you know, Colt Cabana and you know, how people are you know, how he paid his bills and all this other stuff and how he shares a bank account with his mom, which I don't understand how it's relevant at all. I mean, my mom's name is still on my bank account that I opened in high school, basically for the fact of anything ever happened to me, she can get into my bank account. Like she doesn't have any control over anything. That's it. So it's not uncommon. I don't think for a parent to possibly be on a son's bank account who also is not, you know, married or anything, but then he goes on about the EVPs, obviously pointing out Kenny and the Bucks and going after them for talking about stuff to like the wrestling journalists. And he got into a little bit of an argument with Ryan Alvarez and it's just going off on like nothing. He's been nothing involving the actual match and going off on Hangman Adam Page about, you know, the back and forth, you know, stuff they've talked about in promos and Tony Khan just sitting there the whole time looking like a complete idiot like i should probably shut this guy up but at the same time i don't think i can shut this guy up because he's just going to keep talking i don't know how to stop him and then (laughs) you know punk leaves and then apparently shit goes down in the locker room between him and you know omega and the bucks and a steel apparently there's a steel bites kenny omega a steel throws a chair i think it was at nick jackson giving him a black eye uh, the fight apparently lasted about five or six minutes from most reports that they were saying. You know, Jericho was doing his media scrum and then told Tony Khan after he was done that something went down in the locker room. And just a whole giant mess of backstage stuff going on that 
you wouldn't have expected from AEW at this point a year ago. Hell, probably not even six months ago. So when you read everything that ends up happening backstage here, Cam, what were your initial thoughts when you heard about it all going down? Uh, I don't know. I don't even know if I've ever heard of anything like this ever happening in wrestling history. Uh, I mean, other than like the Montreal screw job stuff, like I can't really think of something that of this magnitude that's been like that everybody knows about, you know, that's being reported by millions of outlets and everyone on Twitter is talking about it. Um, I mean, I, I have mixed emotions. I feel like Tony Khan have said this before and I was coming from a booking aspect, but Tony Khan didn't like prepare himself to really run like a uh, wrestling company. I mean, he's got his EVPs and he's got his help with wrestlers, but he doesn't have, people that can deal with this kind of shit booking and personal. And you know how Jim Ross for the longest time was talent relations. Like, do they even have a talent relations guy? Um, how often is Tony Khan in England hanging out with Fulham? Like who knows? Um, I mean, unprofessional, <laughs> hilarious, uh, punk went after everybody. And it almost, it almost feels like, they put the title back on him and then punk said his stuff. And it's kind of like, he kind of put his foot down and was like, all right, man, like this is how it's going to be. And we'll see who wants to play ball. Um, I mean, I see a lot of people on the internet blaming punk, blaming the young bucks, blaming Kenny Omega, blaming whoever, but no one's really blaming Tony Khan and no one's saying like this guy, like should have known what was going on. Um, nipped it in the butt like he he uh, said alluded to that a little bit about when they talked about cabana going to ring of honor and he didn't make a official statement about it or whatever he's like i should have took it on head on right there uh he did it like but you i mean you've got to know that there's beef amongst your talent i mean the thunder rosa stuff like one year founding guys leave like when cody left and came to the wwe i was like okay what the heck's going on in AEW that made cody want to come back to deal with vince mcmahon like there's got to be something bad going on and it just seems like chaos and utter chaos. And I don't know. It's, it's very good entertaining television. And I mean, I hope to God that they just let CM Punk have a live microphone. I mean, Justin's going to the most anticipated dynamite in history. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if Tony Khan will actually come out and give one of his big rah-rah speeches that he does before every single taping. So I'll be interested to see what he exactly says or what anybody screams at him. But I mean, yeah, this, for me, this is what happens when the boss of a company tries to be, uh, like friends before an actual boss. He's almost like Tony Khan is like the Michael Scott kind of, of the wrestling world that, you know, he wants to be friends first and a boss second. And, you know, you can shit on Vince McMahon for everything and all the stuff he's done. And like you said, there are examples of this happening kind of in the locker room with, you know, Sean and Bret Hart, but, you know, that also involves Sean being like an absolute prick who was like, you know, coked out of his mind half the time. But, you know, Vince McMahon was a guy that was a boss and in control. And the majority of the time you didn't hear this stuff happening. And, you know, it's one of those things where you see Tony Khan and all these pressers and all of these like photos outside of wrestling. And he's hanging out with these people and being friends. Um, that's like, no, you got to be able to p put your foot down as a boss, as the owner, the guy that runs AEW and say, listen, uh, you know, 
I understand this is how you feel if you're a frustrated talent, but this is what we're doing. This is what we're going with, and I'm sorry if you don't like it. You don't try to like hang out and cave with these guys and cave, give in to their demands. It seems like Tony Khan is the kind of guy who could easily be persuaded or pushed over because he grew up as a fan of CM Punk or he grew up as a fan of Brian Danielson or Chris Jericho. I'm not saying those last two guys have done anything like this, but it's just an example of somebody that, like, as young, I guess young, as Tony Khan could go out there and watch these guys and huge fans of them, but he doesn't want to be their boss. He wants to be their friend because he's hanging out with guys that he saw when he was younger on TV and was a big fan of. And that's not how you run almost any business. It's definitely not how you run a wrestling company. Um, What do you think, Chairman? What were your thoughts when you saw, when you first heard about all this stuff going down? Tony Khan's more mad at WWE for taking Liberty weekend shows. So he's mad at them. Yeah, it's all, it's just all, all triple, all Paul Levesque's Paul. That's right. I'm sorry. We're supposed to, when, uh, when we're H. talking about Paul Levesque, the businessman, we're supposed to call him Paul Levesque, not Triple H. I call him Pop H. Okay, we can call him Pop H. Good, good medium. <laughs> so, before we hear my thoughts on the whole thing, I just want to play a timeline. So, Labor Day weekend, it's 1995. You guys probably remember this show called WCW Monday Nitro, right? And, Sounds familiar. Yeah, and it lasted a whole whopping you know, five and a half years. And I know WCW was around before Nitro, but obviously that's when Nitro, you know, WCW it was Nitro. So trajectory, we're about halfway now from AEW's three-year anniversary. So if they're going on the path they're going, they will probably seize operations in about two and a half years. So, yeah, you guys are now the new WCW. You got a bunch of power-hungry guys like CM Punk and the Bucks and Kenny, and everyone's throwing their big dick weight you know, throughout the backstage area. Um, there's probably more egos back there than I can care to count. And I was texting with a buddy of mine today. We were talking about the whole scruffle or whatever. And I'm like, hey, you know, we got a bunch of young guys there, like, you know, Darby Allen and, you know, Jungle Boy, Ricky Starks, you know, MJF, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, a lot of those guys were there since day one. And then, of course, Tony, just like Bischoff, Signs over a bunch of former WWE guys and paid them a shitload of money. And some of them he used and some of them he didn't. And then all of a sudden, these young guys decide, screw this. We're going into WWF, WWE. You know, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho, who ironically is still around. I would love to pick his brain about all this, honestly. Like, Chris Jericho seen all this shit, you know, being a locker room veteran. He was in WCW. And, you know, he almost fought, you know, Brock Lesnar and Goldberg, too. So... I would love to hear him talk about this on Talk with Jericho someday. Maybe we'll get him, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, this whole thing's just a shit show. Um, I don't even know whose side to take because Punk is the guy that I kind of I gravitated towards, too, when I first got back into watching wrestling again in 2012. Then, obviously, he left a few years later. And then once I started, like, getting into New Japan, you know, Kenny and the Bucks were kind of the people I gravitated towards. So, hence why I kind of gravitated towards AEW when it opened. So... It's like a rock and a hard place, I guess. I mean, obviously, I want AEW to succeed. There's a lot of wrestlers there I do enjoy watching. Um, it's unfortunate that this, all this has taken all the attention away from the great matches they did have this weekend. You know, MJF's big return. I mean, some of the stuff that's just been overshadowed, unfortunately. It sucks. Um, I don't know what's going to happen at the end of this. I, I'm, I'd be really curious. I mean, people are going to be hitting refresh on Twitter for the next like week and a half. You know, you hope you learn more tomorrow, but you're going to learn shit tomorrow. This might get dead and buried. It might be on a dark side of the ring in a couple of years. I don't know what to think of it. 
Yeah, I mean, there are reports that there were there were police there, that, but like the Hoffman Estates Police, obviously, they let out a statement saying they didn't, they weren't called there, but there were cops there already. So I, I mean, it's like it's a fight between you know five six guys. I'm sure if there was like six or a dozen police on board, they could probably handle it with whatever security guards are there. Um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where you feel like Punk. You know, people will say Punk kind of defended himself because you know Omega and the Bucks came storming in his locker room, and then you know from the Omega and the Bucks perspective, you look at it and it's like, well, you know, they Punk really shouldn't have said what he said when he did. And like Cam said, it's, it feels like he was champion. It's like, okay, fuck it. Now that I have their title, I'm just going scorched earth on everybody. And then this is what ends up happening. And it's funny, you know, I understand the people that are saying it takes away from MJF's ending, but at the same time, you can make the argument that, well, everything going on with MJF double or nothing weekend took away from what happened with Warlow and winning everything against MJF uh, that weekend. So, I mean, I think, like, if I'm playing, okay, what do I have to do here with this company? I think the first thing you have to do is, I think, suspend everybody involved. And that includes Omega and the Bucks. I mean, they should know as EVPs that they shouldn't really have handled it the way they did. Yeah, they could have been hot. But at the same time, if you're an executive in this company and if there are Warner Brothers people there like there reportedly were and they hear about what's going on with guys that are supposed to be high up people, that's probably not the greatest thing. And then I think you have to sit CM Punk down and be like, listen, I don't care what you think. You can't do that again. And I don't care what kind of ratings you brought me. I don't care if, you know, you've sold out every single Chicago show because of you. It's like, Either you play ball the right way or we're going to take the title off you. And I've seen some people even say that if Ace, I think Ace Steel has to get fired as a producer. I mean, no offense, but you can just replace a producer quite easily. Um, and if Punk says, hey, I want to, if he's fired, I quit, then I'm, you know what? Sorry, then you're out the door. Like, I'm sorry if Ace Steel is that much of a friend to you. Probably one of the, you know, maybe few people that you have left that are friends to you, um, given CM Punk's reputation as far as the business goes then, you know what, sorry, but like Chairman said, AEW's got a lot of guys, guys that we talk about every single week that don't get enough TV time for AEW. Uh, you can replace them on TV. You can go ahead and give, you know, Miro more TV time. You can, Adam Cole can come back. You can get Hangman Page, try to reestablish him as a single star. But I think if it comes down to, okay, you got to make it, Tony Khan has to make a choice between Punk and Omega and the Bucks. I think he ends up choosing Omega and the Bucks. Uh, what do you say, Cam? I mean, who knows if it's going to have to get to that point. I mean, I feel like Punk wasn't there long term to begin with anyways. You know, he alluded to it. I think we all knew it. Nice money grab. Come back and have some good matches. Um I mean, if Punk quits another company, that's so that'd be just be so funny. Like, holy shit, man! Just at least like show up somewhere random and like have like a have like a farewell match against Cole Cabana somewhere, like in Chicago or something. Um, I mean, I don't know. Do you? What are the Bucks and Kenny even bringing to the table? Like, I don't know who I side with because you read multiple things and you read that Punk did his media thing and then went to his locker room and then the Bucks and Kenny. Uh, pounded on his door and I have a hard time believing either of the young bucks could get into a real fist fight and, and like handle themselves. I mean, I don't really see that. It's kind of comical to me to think that these guys uh, could like beat up somebody and everyone wants to make fun of CM Punk. I'm like, yeah, CM Punk was actually in the UFC. Like, it's not like, not like he was, you know, getting beat up by wrestlers. Like uh, he could probably hold his own a little bit against a uh, fucking naked Matt Jackson. 
Um, I mean, again, this is on Tony Khan, I feel like. I, I feel like this could have been avoided. Like, sit these guys down when you did your little dumb meeting. Um, show that you're the boss, man. Like, yeah, I feel like he just wants to be buddy-buddy with everyone, and he tells everyone, yeah, and the company got really big, and he signed a bunch of people and doesn't use them correctly. Um, hell, he barely even books, like, the Young Bucks the way they should be booked. They're barely on TV, and, and I get it. I don't know. I, I feel like Tony Khan should be taking a lot of this heat, too. Um I mean, I guess let CM Punk walk if that's what it takes to cool the ship. But, I mean, I mean, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels worked together for all these years. Like, there's a, a Edge and freaking Matt Hardy, like, <laughs> had some good matches together, like, despite, like, hating each other. Um, this goes on, to me, I don't know. I feel like just a lot of the heat goes to Tony Khan because he, he lets all this stuff leak out. The Thunder Rosa stuff, like, like all this stuff is, is coming out. Like, yeah, you can re- get reports from the WWE and stuff like that, but there's there's a lot of holes in this this family so to speak and there's a lot of egos and i mean i don't know i feel like i feel like everyone's at blame yeah i think everybody plays a part in it like i said somehow and i agree with you you know uh everybody i mean we all know punk's got a massive ego and you know bucks have an ego i'm sure kenny has one too even though it's not as publicly you know out there as the other guys go but uh, what what do you think, Chairman? If it came down to guy, you know, them saying, okay, it's either Punk or the Bucks and Kenny. What do you think Tony does? First, I have to know the real answer to the real question of the day here. The door that the Young Bucks kicked FCM Punk. So that door forbidden. I'm gonna go ahead and say probably not, unless AJ Lee was also in there. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Um, obviously, if it came down to it, it's one guy who's pissed off at the world or three guys and probably more like you figure, okay, Omega and the Bucks. That's probably Hangman as well. Um, maybe Adam Cole and countless others that they've brought in. You're probably also going to lose Brandon Cutler. You're going to lose Michael Nakazawa, Don Callis. Um, yeah. You're going to lose the whole Cucamongo kids party. Um, I think the real question is, is, what side is QT Marshall on? Um, he's on Nightmare Factory, so I think he is um neutral. Okay. I don't know, but uh, I think I think you, if it came down to it, I think Tony would probably tell Punk, dude, see ya, and then CM Punk will end up back in WWE, and we'll be like, holy shit. But uh, no, not just kidding, that'll never happen. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm leaning. I'm more interested now in hearing what Jim Cornette has to say about all this because holy shit. That might be something worth checking out this week if it does so. Oh, boy. Eric Bischoff's probably just laughing his ass off, too. Like, all these angry Vince Russo, all these old angry guys. Fuck, their comments are actually probably worth listening to for once because I'll get a truck out of all of it because, I don't know, it just it's, it's all amusing to me. Yeah, I think Bischoff and Cornette both released something. I haven't seen what either of them said, but I definitely know I saw like some a couple of quotes from Eric Bischoff today, and I thought I saw somebody say that Jim Cornette's um, – podcast dropped too but i don't know about that for sure i definitely know about eric bischoff saying a couple things today but i don't know about cornet for sure uh yeah it's definitely a, a crazy you know time as far as aew goes from what many people thought was them getting close not maybe not close but like them having all the buzz going into this year and i think it's pretty safe to say cam that the momentum has pretty much shifted to back to the wwe at this point right there's a lot of momentum. I think there's a lot of hype depending on what happens tomorrow on dynamite and the week after 
I mean, there's a lot of stuff. MJF coming back was really cool. So, I mean, AEW has attention right now. I don't know if it's the attention they exactly want, but they definitely have attention on them. Uh, the WWE is just trending the right direction, and it's like, what weird timeline did we end up on where the WWE is doing good stuff and AEW is doing bad stuff? Yeah, what do you think, Chairman? Oh, for sure. It's definitely the pendulum swinging and swinging fast. Yeah, it's just amazing how, you know, at the start of 2022, everybody's like, AEW's great, you know, WWE sucks, and here we are, you know, nine months later, Vince McMahon's retired, Triple H is in charge, we got all this shit going on backstage with the Bucks and Kenny Omega, uh, AEW's been putting on some stale TV, NXT and NXT uh, UK merge brands. It's just, you know, all types of craziness going on in the world of pro wrestling. But that's why we're here to talk about it every single week. Um, but as we are also we're pro wrestling fans, but at the same time, we are also football fans. And the NFL season is upon us this coming Thursday uh, as my Buffalo Bills take on the Los Angeles Rams. For those of you that are new that joined us when PW went up to PW Mania, as far as our allegiances go, I'm from Buffalo, so I'm a Bills fan. Chairman is a Carolina Panthers fan, and despite being near L.A., Cam is a Dallas Cowboys fan. So that's where all of our allegiances lie. So um, what do you guys think as far as predictions this year? I always personally, I I hate that my the Bills are a Super Bowl favorite because I just don't like being the favorite going into the season because then if, you know, it's pretty much Super Bowl or bust for us, and if we don't make it there, then it's a loss. It's a worthless season. So it's almost one of those weird seasons where you just want to get through the regular season and then be done and be, okay, we're finally here at the playoffs. Um, I do have a couple of parlays. I mean, I, if, if you're going to gamble, gamble responsibly. But I got a Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Chargers parlay to make the playoffs. I've got um, Commanders, Giants, Steelers, and Lions all to win under seven and a half games. Uh, Devontae Adams to lead the league in receiving yards. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Leonard Fournette, Javante Williams, each of them getting 10-plus touchdowns, parlay rushing touchdowns. I got a six-leg, eight-plus touchdown par- receiving touchdown parlay for Travis Kels, Mark Andrews, A.J. Brown, Gabe Davis, Michael Pittman, and Justin Jefferson. I got the Seahawks finishing with the worst record in the league, and I've got a four-leg Bengals, Colts, Chargers, Bucks to all win their division. So, uh, I, you, Chairman, I'll go over to you first. You got any thoughts or uh, you know predictions for the upcoming NFL season? I'm a Panthers fan. Um, the bar is set very low this year. The Baker Mayfield's exciting, sure. Um, Week one's Christian your Super Bowl Catford. almost with the playing the Browns. Yeah. I mean, Christian McCaffrey may stay healthy for the first time in how many years? So, uh, fantasy people, uh, cross your fingers. Um, hopefully, Matt Rule gets fired because he's the worst coach ever. And maybe someone can actually lead this team to, you know, relevancy again. So, therefore, I have become a default Bengals fan, not because they went to the Super Bowl last year, but because in my dynasty league, I drafted Joe Burrow. So, I kind of just became a Joe Burrow fan. So, obviously, he went down with the ACL tear, and, you know, obviously, they went to the Super Bowl and lost last year, so I'm a little salty about that because, like I said, I'm a I'm a Bengals fan until the Panthers are good again. Um, I don't think they're going to reach the Super Bowl again, though. I, I think the AFC is very stacked, and it's like, yeah, I'd be cool if Buffalo did it because I like Josh Allen. He's in my other fantasy team. But it's almost – it's like I'm not picking the Chiefs because I hate Jackson Mahomes. He's a turd. But, I don't know, some, something just gravitates me towards – 
I'm not picking the Ravens. I'm not picking um, Max Caster's other profession, NFL quarterback Russell Wilson. They're twin brothers, I'm convinced. But I'm picking the Chargers because Justin Herbert has beautiful hair, and I feel like he's just – I don't know. I feel like it's all going to come together this year for that guy. Um, and the NFC – well, the NFC pretty much sucks. Tampa, I think, is going to age out finally. Um, Aaron Rodgers is definitely toast. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I don't know. The NFC is wide open. I don't know. I'll just – Take the freaking Minnesota Vikings. I like Justin Jefferson, so why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I look at the AFC West, and it's like one of those teams is going to be the victim of losing to all the other teams. That that division, is, and if you put one of those teams in almost any other division, I think you could make the argument that they would win that division. Um, I think the Titans are going to take a huge step down this year with no A.J. Brown, and Ryan Tannehill is trash, so I don't think that. And Mike Vrabel's a trash coach, so I, I could see them absolutely plummeting down from their number one seed that they didn't even earn last year. Um, I'm with you in the Joe Burrow bandwagon. I mean, I was hyping Joe Burrow over Tua before they came out of college, and I always thought Tua was going to be trash, and it seems like I'm being finally, well, hopefully proven right. We'll see what Tua does this year in Miami. But, yeah, I mean, I'd be the NFC, like you said, is just – it's so wide open because there's no real clear cut favor that you almost sometimes have to default to Tampa. Um, I think the 49ers are going to be are being severely overrated by a lot of people. I see a lot of people picking them to go deep, but I'm finally going to do it this year. I never, the, the couple, a couple times we did this show. Um, I never pick them cause I just hate picking my favorite teams cause I don't want to jinx them, but I'm taking my bills to finally win the Super Bowl this year. And we'll just say they finally do it over the man that's haunted them 20 years before this. And the whole 20 years before this, and that being Tom Brady, um, Cam, what are your, some of your prediction predictions in the NFL this year? Uh, we can just do Cowboys bills, Super Bowl. And we, I think we both know how that ends, Justin. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I feel like the even though one of the cons will get something right, and I feel like the Jags are going to take a big step forward this year, and I kind of have them as a division winner. I feel like the Colts will go back a little bit. The Titans will go back a little bit. So I feel like the Jags have a chance to sneak in, in there and win the South. Um, yeah, I think the Niners aren't – I think that division's too tough. So I think the Niners are like a 9-10 win team. They might make the playoffs, but they're they're – I think Trey Lance isn't very good, and Jimmy Garoppolo will probably be the quarterback of that team at some point. Um, I don't know. I just hope I do okay in fantasy. <laughs> yes, I am the same way as well. Fantasy, survivor leagues, you know, all that kind of good stuff. So we hope you enjoyed our look here at week at the World of Pro Wrestling. As was talked about a couple times here on the show, I will be at AEW Dynamite tomorrow night. I will be sitting uh, front row towards the – if you're looking at the if you're looking at the screen with the hard cameras, I'm gonna be to the right, kind of like where the announcers sit in the WWE, right over there. Uh, I will try to tweet out from my account as best as I can all night at JC Wonka. If you want to follow me on there for my live thoughts and probably some pictures of wrestlers charging at me in the barricade and trying not to spill my beer when they charge at me, so I look forward to that. And then we will be back next week to talk about whatever ends up happening in the world of AEW. So for my co-host Cam and the chairman Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C. Sign off. We will talk to you guys next week.